This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome into the Rocky Top Talk podcast. I am your host, Terry Lambert, joined today by Clint Island, our in-house recruiting expert. Clint has been awesome these last couple of days, staying on top of the news. Clint, welcome in. Well, it's good to be here, Terry. Thank you. Thank you for the kind words. It's good to know somebody somebody uh, appreciates it. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's been awesome. He's made my uh, my job a lot easier. I uh, just had to click publish a, a lot of these times. So it's been nice to uh, have Clint around these last couple of days. Uh, been a big, big day for Tennessee, um, adding four new additions to the class of 2020, uh, bringing them to 20, potentially 21. We'll see here if they get... Uh, another one while we're recording here, uh, Morvin Joseph set to announce. Uh, it's about 2.30 right now. He's expected to announce about 3 uh, at Central Time. So we'll see on that one. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll just we'll take it right off the top. I, I think the biggest addition to this class was a guy that most Tennessee fans were pretty familiar with. Most Tennessee fans expected to get um, Tyler Barron. Uh, 250 pounds, strong side defensive end. Clint, what's your what's your take on him, and, and where does he project in, in Pruitt and Ansley's defense? Well, from a recruiting standpoint, at least, this is one of those battles that uh, you kind of maybe not lost sleep over, but it was a lot more stressful than it needed to be. Um, I think, like you said, we all kind of expected Tyler Baring to get into the class. We expected it a bit earlier. Didn't really turn out that way. And I mentioned this in his commitment article, but I really do think there was a period there where he was not solid to Tennessee. I I think he kind of had Oklahoma, maybe Ohio State, had pulled ahead to to kind of give Tennessee a scare. But Tennessee comes back. They have that good end to the season. They re-up their efforts on him. He signs. Um, You know, that's just kind of how it is in recruiting. Sometimes the guys you want to pencil in from the very beginning, that uh, doesn't happen that way. But um, from from a football standpoint, what he brings on the field, I think this is the guy that he'll he'll probably see the field day one. He might not be the starter, but Barron is the prototype for a strong side defensive end. If you look at his tape, you really don't see anything that he does poorly. He's got great size, great power, great burst, good pursuit. Anything you want in a strong side defensive end, you're going to find with Barron. And what he will do in Tennessee's defense, whether it's you know some pass rushing, maybe it's more of a run-stopper type deal, I think that he has the tools to do whatever they need him to do. I, I would say he'd probably, he'd probably maybe be a more passive when it comes to defense, maybe more of a run-stopper, you know, gap-stuffer. But he has the talent to rush the passer, and I really doubt that the staff is going to try to limit him. I mean, I think that Tyler Barron is one of those kids who they know what they have in him. They know what he's coming with on day one. So even though he might not be the highest rated recruit in the class, I said I think he's the most important recruit in the class overall because Tennessee right now doesn't really have that clear-cut number one option on the outside. 
and they have they have a lot of decent options, but nobody that sticks out when it comes to the fit in the system. Tyler Barron gives them that player. Right, they need some difference makers on that defensive front. I, I think they've done a really good job um, beefing up. You know, getting getting Tennessee up to snuff size wise. Uh, you're seeing these guys six six, six seven, three hundred pounds, two hundred ninety pounds. Uh, a big change from what Butch Jones had. You know, it, it's kind of a different defensive front. But uh, I think you saw that size pay off down the stretch as, as Tennessee cracked the top thirty. Uh, in, in total defense, total overall defense. Uh, and, and I think now you're starting to see uh, Barron, you're seeing Omari Thomas, uh, Dominic Bailey, some some blue chip guys coming in that are really going to make a difference. So uh, maybe not just getting those three-star guys with the size anymore. Now you're getting some, some really talented difference makers up front. Uh, can, so th- can I say that with a guy like Barron, um, if you looked at Tennessee's defense these past, this past year, really, even with, when it re- improved and when it kind of became that top 30 unit that we saw at the end of the season, they still relied a lot on the linebackers to get a lot of pressure there. And you always want to have that sort of pressure. You always want your linebackers to be good at it. But one way to cover up a defensive line that maybe can't get that pass rush is to send linebackers, to send cornerbacks, safeties, uh, guys like that. And if you have somebody like Barron there who can take that pressure off, well, you're going to get a whole new defensive look. That opens up the playbook. It gives you a lot more comfort in what you're willing to call. Absolutely. And, you know, Tennessee's going to be put to the test next year. Daryl Taylor's not going to be here anymore. That was really the one guy that Tennessee had that could come off of the edge and that could win consistently one-on-one stuff. So how they replace him, that's going to be really, really interesting uh, like you kind of said, they had, they've got a bunch of bodies. They don't really have that one guy. Uh, maybe Quivaris Crouch becomes that guy. You know, I, I'm kind of hoping he he sticks on the edge because uh, mm-hmm. I, I think he's a good enough athlete to do so. But uh, they got a they've, they've got a rotation of guys. It's going to be interesting to see who comes out of there. Um, shifting more to the interior at linebacker, Tennessee picked up another one. Uh, Laneith Whitehead, I believe is how you pronounce it, according to his commitment video. Um, you know, Tennessee announced him as a running back, which I thought was interesting. Um, you know, I texted you and, and said, you know, this guy's going to play running back, and, and you kind of gave me, well, he's going to get a, a chance to play running back. But uh, I, I think most people think he's going to end up at the linebacker position. Yeah, this is one of those that you're just going to have to wait and see. I mean, he – I was probably a little bit down on him from a running back standpoint. Um, I, I mentioned, you know, he has good power. He doesn't go down on first hit, but his best projection is linebacker. And that's still true, but you're completely right. I, I think that Tennessee's going to give him that chance. And his recruitment kind of got weird towards the end because he's really set on at least getting that chance at running back. Um, I mean, he fits in Jim Chaney's system from a from what type of guy they're looking for, but I, I don't think that his future's at running back. Uh, he maybe not as immediate a contributor just because he's kind of raw whatever position he chooses. But this recruitment was very this how do I put this? This recruitment changed a lot from the beginning to the end, but it ended up in the same area because Tennessee was the favor for a long time became a question of how willing they were to give him that shot at running back. He wavered. A lot of people thought he was going to South Carolina. 
Then it kind of came back to Tennessee, even though UCLA and USC started pushing for him. And as a player, I think this is a guy who is a prototype inside linebacker. He has everything you want in that inside linebacker position. It's just a question of how dead set is he on being a running back, and does he take the staff's advice? And, I mean, it. you know, some kids, they never do. I can tell you, even following FSU this year, there's actually a player who was never getting time at defensive end. They told him, look, you can start day one at offensive tackle. All you have to do is make the switch, and he entered the transfer portal because some kids are that, uh, I want to say stubborn because, hey, it's their future, but some kids are that um, committed to the idea of playing a certain position. And you hope that Whitehead isn't that type of player. You hope that he's going to do whatever it takes to be the best football player he can be. But um, it's a bit of a risk, I mean, if, from that standpoint. But I think that overall Tennessee's happy that they have him in the class. And even if he doesn't get reps at running back, you still have a very talented player who you can put on defense. And I'd also say that the other running back commits might make him reconsider that when he sees them on the field and realizes... You know, you might be second string at best. Right. So you've got, you had Ignat leave the team. You had Shannon Reed leave the team. Jeremy Banks was kicked off the team. So suddenly, linebacker became an instant position of need. And now you've got Whitehead, who probably will end up at linebacker. You've got Bryson Eason. You've got Martavis French. Uh, that's three four-star contributors there. Tamarian McDonald will fit into that picture somewhere. Um, you know, Tennessee did a really, really nice job of filling that need with with playmakers at that position and, and really thick. You know, I, I like these powerful middle linebackers uh, that can really play the run well. You know, I, I think we're seeing in college football and the pros really too. Uh, the, these linebackers get smaller and smaller because you want guys that can run. But what I see in this this linebacker class, I see French at 240, Easton's 255. Uh, Whitehead's 230. That that's some real, uh, some real thickness there. Uh, that's going to be able to hold up uh, against uh, SEC front. So that's something that I'm excited about. You know, that's that's an overall impression I've got with this class. Uh, it's an overall impression that I've got with Jeremy Pruitt in his third class. You know, size getting Tennessee back to what they should look like. Uh, you know, it, it should have fans excited because I think he's building this the right way. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, moving on, we've got uh, our next addition is Jimmy Holiday. Interesting athlete. Uh, played the quarterback position in the state of Mississippi. Uh, a verified 40 time of a 4.3. Uh, so, you know, it's another one where I asked you, is this guy going to stick at quarterback? And it's another situation where you said, hey, he's probably going to get a chance, but, you know, probably not going to stick there. Yeah, I don't know what. What, how exactly they convinced him that Jim Chaney would give him a look in the offense. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen a Jim Chaney quarterback uh, move like he does. <laughs> but, again, I mean, they're going to give him the shot, and you got to admit that, or you got to reason that they told him, hey, when if it doesn't work out at quarterback, you know, we want you as a wide receiver. We want you as a playmaker. And you mentioned this earlier, same deal with Jalen Hyatt, that speed that they're looking for in their wide receivers, they've already increased it. They've got Jalen in signed already, and now they've got Holiday signed. That's two guys who run sub 
40. Does Hyatt ran a 439, didn't he? Yeah, I saw a 431 somewhere. Mm-hmm. So they want those guys that can really push the safeties, uh, force defensive backs to kind of stay on them all the way down the field. And we saw how it did in this offense. We saw Callaway and uh, Palmer really have breakout years, not really breakout years, but good years, because that's what they played in the offense. So someone like Holiday, he's another guy. I could see him playing early just because of what he can do on the field, just because of what he brings. Even if he's not the most polished guy, you're not going to have a defensive coordinator who watches Holiday speed passes his cornerbacks and say, oh, well, I'm fine with them getting those shots. That's not going to happen because that's how Tennessee's offense really worked this year. So he's a guy that, um, you know, late flip wasn't really on a lot of people's radar but i think for tennessee staff at least he was uh, a pretty high choice and the last addition we've got reginald perry um the three-star guy uh again it's another guy that i think fits from a size standpoint six six uh 300 pounds a guy that's probably going to grow into some sort of rotational road probably two years down the road yeah, yeah. I Jeremy Pruitt and his staff had this thing where they just find a kid like this and they're in. <laughs> and yeah. You look at the ratings and you're like, wow, this guy is he's under the radar. I mean, there's nothing about him that you can find, and that's kind of what Jeremy Pruitt's been known for. So it's going to be interesting to see. You're right about the size. I think with some of these players, too, like you mentioned with French and Eason, even if you're not totally sold on what they can be in the future. Even if you don't know if they'll develop, you want to have recruiting pipelines in certain areas. So someone like Perry from Alabama and someone like Eason, French, McDonald from Memphis, those are going to get you in at the talent production high schools. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because Tennessee has done a lot of work in Memphis this year. Yeah, it's surprising because a lot of Memphis kids are kind of known as the not developed as well you know high school coaching is really not that good in memphis and so for for a few years at least tennessee shied away from memphis but um now it's hard to deny talent and it's hard to deny that guys like french and Eason, even if they don't fit your system as well you're going to take them simply because they are very good football players and they can contribute on the field in some capacity all right, so that's the newcomers we've got for now. We may have one more later in the show, but for now, uh, we're going to take a break, and we will come back with a couple of other big storylines from the day. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, welcome back to the Rocky Top Talk podcast. Uh, one big win for Tennessee today was keeping Jimmy Callaway around, uh, a guy that they found, again, initially under the radar. 
you know, he, he commits to Tennessee and then boom, suddenly he's a four star prospect getting SEC offers. Uh, Florida made a late push for him. I think Auburn was involved at one point with him. Uh, initially, maybe wasn't going to sign, and, and but he ends up signing with Tennessee today. So Tennessee keeps a really good, really talented uh, four star athlete on the team, probably going to project to receiver. Uh, Clint, what's your take on him? What you just said about the recruitment part is very true, and fans should be happy. And you're not going to get the headlines that you do if you pull off a crazy flip or if you you know, steal a guy away from somebody. But keeping someone like this locked in the class, that's just as good. Because Callaway, as you've seen, he's just shot up in the rankings, and he was legitimately getting looks from Florida, um, other play Ole Miss, I know, tried to see kick the tires on him. And if you saw what happened today, Florida actually missed out on one of their top wide receiver prospects, and they really don't have anybody because two of their kids might not qualify. So oh, getting gosh. Callaway signed now, that prevents all that those issues down the road. And I mentioned this before the podcast, and I've mentioned this um, in other venues, but the early signing day has changed these dynamics because back – well, not back. It's only been a few years uh, since its implementation. But if a kid is committed to a school and he does not sign on early signing day, coaching staffs are viewing that as uncommitted. Because from their perspective, they're giving you that opportunity to sign a letter saying, I'm going to your school, but they're not taking it. And if you're a coaching staff that tells you, hey, he's not as bought into us as we are to him and they tell they're telling kids maybe not like this but they're telling kids you know we we're, we might recruit over you because we can't trust that you're going to sign to us in february when we gave you that chance to sign in december and you didn't take it and there were rumors that callaway was not going to sign in uh, december that he was going to wait till february and so to pull this off and to sign all your other commits besides two who made their intentions known long before signing day, that's huge. I mean, that's as much a win in itself as it is to flip a highly ranked defensive tackle or what have you. Because if you can get that core of your class bought in, you don't have to worry about in February. You can short the class with some JUCO or some transfer options, and all your high school recruiting is more or less done. And I would like to point out here, Terry, we did a... Uh, video review of Callaway when he committed. We had a recap, right? Yep. Okay, well, here is what we wrote. Truthfully, Callaway looks like a blue chip type of player. He's raw and needs refinement, but he has all the tools to be a star at the next level. Then we went into reasons why he might be underranked. Today, he is a top 250 athlete, and is he actually top 200, or is he just outside that? Last I saw, he's top two fifty. He, he's top two fifty, yes. And in two in the two forty seven sports solo, he's apparently two oh seven. So right outside that group. But yeah, I mean the recruiting services caught on. They realized that yeah, this guy is a blue chip. So uh, getting his signature, shutting it down now, huge. And Tennessee is, is, you know, since Pruitt has been here, they they constantly find these guys. It seems like it's every year they find two or three of these guys. Uh, that that are just you know in, in the 1200s in the rankings and 
you know, they offer them or they commit early and, and they shoot up the board. I remember that kid, uh, I forget his name now, he ended up at Florida State, the receiver. Uh, they found uh, Jordan him, Young. Yeah, found him so late in the process. And, uh, you know, they send out a Tennessee offer and he goes from like 1,500th in the country to a top 300 player. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, they've got a certain knack about them. They're, they're really plugged in, it seems. Uh, to schools around the southeast, uh, and they can find these guys. Um, the, you know, we'll move on to probably the most important piece of the puzzle for Tennessee's 2020 class, Harrison Bailey. Um, you know, no drama here. He was uh, pretty much all vol. I, I know Tennessee pursued a couple of other quarterbacks there, um, but Bailey ended up being their guy in, in the end, and there was no late drama or anything there. Uh, but Bailey's an important piece of this puzzle. You know, Tennessee's been searching for an answer at the quarterback position since, Lord, um, Josh Jobs. Um, it, it's just been, there's there haven't been much there since. So uh, I know Tennessee fans are, are hoping that maybe not this year, but maybe in 2021, Bailey can be their guy. Uh, what do you see from him? What are some strengths? Maybe what are some weaknesses? And, and how early can this kid play? I think Bailey is the perfect ex- example of a kid who doesn't have the summer hype machine around him. And so he gets dropped in a lot of people's views because he's not doing anything overly ex- overly exciting because he's been known for a while. I mean, if you follow Georgia football, you know Harrison Bailey since basically before his junior year. And when you're that much of a known quantity, sometimes you get uh, overlooked for guys that are fast risers or guys who come onto the scene real strong. But Bailey, I got to say, it's been impressive watching him improve, even though we already knew his strengths, because he has all the arm talent, he has the pocket presence, he has a good understanding of the game. He doesn't really like to take risks that other quarterbacks do. But he is still improving his game. We saw in the playoffs, you know, one of his big knocks was pocket mobility. Is he a statue in the pocket? For a long time he was. Well, he showed off this year that, no, he's not just a statue. He can evade pressure. He can get himself out of bad situations. So from an overall standpoint of what Bailey brings, it's kind of hard to tell with Cheney because he he kind of changed up his offense in the middle of the season. But... If you gave me betting odds, betting odds right now, who will be Tennessee's starting quarterback by the middle of the 2020 season? I honestly think you might have to give good odds to Harrison Bailey, simply because he's ready to play. He knows what he's coming into. You're pairing him up with a good offensive line and good weapons, and you're going to let the most talented person play. That quarterback situation is fascinating. Because you've got Garantano, <laughs> um, who is might be the most frustrating player in, in recent memory as a Tennessee Volunteer. Uh, you know he, he's going to be a senior next year. Will he will he be around? You know I, I don't know that that's that's totally locked up. Uh, he could he shot down the, the thought that he was going to transfer and said something about the draft. And I, I don't think the NFL is touching that right now. Um, but has, has he run his course at Tennessee? It, it seems like we're, we're close to that. Will he come back for another year? Then you've got Brian Maurer, uh, who, who showed some flashes and unfortunately took two straight concussions. 
Um, and, and then you've got you know JT Shroud, who was great against South Carolina. Um, you, you know, it's, it, it's a it's a loaded quarterback room with with a lot of depth. I don't know if anyone's going to stand out. I, I certainly hope someone will stand out. Uh, maybe Garantano can finally put it together. But um, yeah, this spring, you know, Bailey's Bailey's enrolling early. Uh, spring practices are going to be a whole lot of fun to watch just for the quarterback situation alone. That's what I was going to ask was, does Garantano make a decision maybe after spring? Because we all heard what he said about not leaving Tennessee earlier, but let's say spring comes around, Harrison Bailey's there, and he's just throwing dimes all over the field, and Maurer is there, not concussed, you know, his got his... Uh, set straight and all that and he's throwing around dimes you know do you really want to stay there or do you want to go maybe to Rutgers with a brand new head coach who has had success <laughs> in the past um yeah it, it I, I think that the likelihood of Garantano staying at Tennessee probably not as high as they were a few months ago and especially with somebody like Bailey getting in the class you might see the writing on the wall and the staff will probably be pretty honest whenever that QB competition comes and Maybe Bailey needs time. Maybe that's true, but I think we all kind of are assuming that somebody's going to leave. You can't have a quarterback room of four players, not in 2020, not anymore. Yeah, and so that, that's a that's a big thing to follow. Um, I, I'm kind of like you. I, I just think common sense will prevail, and it's just kind of time for Garantano to go somewhere else. And, and you know, look, I, I don't want to be – you know, act like I'm not going to support the guy, but he's done a lot for Tennessee. You know, he's a big reason why Tennessee won a lot of those games down the stretch. Uh, but the inconsistencies are, are just maddening. I, I wish he was more consistent. Um, but it'll be it'll be fascinating to see if he sticks around uh, for his final year in Knoxville. Uh, all right, I'm going to ask you a couple questions real quick. Of this recruiting class, uh, who's the day one impact player who's going to make the biggest impact from day one Mm. day one it's tough because you know tennessee is actually looking like a a good football team now and there's not a lot of holes on this roster no i a classic guy would have said offensive line now you know what i'll switch it over i'll go defensive line and i'll go with tyler barron uh, we obviously have Tyler Barron in the class, Dominic Bailey, Omari Thomas, but Barron, out of those three, he is the most ready to contribute. And even if it's not a starter position, I do think that Barron has all the talent to do uh, to contribute, at the very least. And Pruitt, he's not a guy that's going to uh, choose you know, seniority over talent. He n- has never been that guy. That's why we saw Jalen McCullough play a lot this year. He actually started, what, 11, 12 games? Um, I think that's probably what's going to happen with Barron. I think he'll play early and often. What about you? Man, it's it's such a tough call uh, just because this roster is is so deep. You know, but I think Barron makes a lot of sense with, with Tennessee needing an edge guy. Uh, you know, if a guy like... Morvin Joseph commits to Tennessee. I, I think the the door is going to be open for him. Um, I kind of look at the receiver spot as well with with Jawan Jennings and and Marcus Callaway, Tyler Bird moving on. Uh, Brandon Johnson's going to stick around. 
Uh, you know, Josh Palmer will still be here, but I think a lot of snaps are, are freed up in that uh, slot in, in the wide receiver four, wide receiver five spot. So uh, maybe a, a guy like Jalen Hyatt uh, finds his way into the rotation. I don't know if he starts, but maybe a guy like that can can impact the game immediately uh, w- with that blazing speed we talked about. That's true. That was probably going to be my second choice just because you're losing talent there, and hey, it's kind of a shuffle after that. Um, let me ask you, Nigel Warrior, leaving after this year, does Keyshawn Lawrence make an impact? Yeah, and, and see, that's a spot uh, where they've got Trayvon Flowers, they've got Jalen McCullough, uh, they've, they've got a couple of guys there. I think he definitely plays. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I think he absolutely plays, but I don't know if he starts uh, right away and, and has an impact right away. Um, you know, Tennessee has, has been pretty loaded at, at safety since Pruitt got here, um, lost Mordecai McDaniel, uh, but replaced him. You know, we can talk about Danico Slaughter, too, uh, a, a guy that you think a lot about. Yeah, I said it in the, our group chat. I really do think that Slaughter has better tape than the guy they lost, McDaniel. I don't think he has a higher ceiling. I do think he's a better player right now, and we know Pruitt, it's not just the size of the players that he's recruiting it's our physicality and one of the big complaints from the previous regime was guys who were built like you know what playing like they're pillow fighting there were just guys that just weren't physical and slaughter is another one of those kids who is very physical he might be 510 5'11 he plays like he's 6263 so kids like that even if they're not you know, even if you don't expect them to be a starter, they can change a culture. And they can be such a great presence in the locker room that your whole team benefits from them. So you don't like to lose Mordecai McDaniel. He's a very talented athlete. He's probably If he receives good coaching, he'll be very, very good. But putting Slaughter in that locker room, getting a guy that you know what he's bringing in terms of physicality, I think that's that's a huge plus, even if you didn't get the guy that you initially wanted. Yeah, absolutely. Another key piece to this defense, which I think is going to grow into a top 20 group, top 15 group next year. Uh, The numbers certainly back that up. Um, All right, we're going to take one more break. And when we come back, we're going to wrap this up and talk about some lingering storylines to close out the class of 2020. All right, so a couple of names. You know, we mentioned that the the class is pretty much done. Uh, 20 signatures already. Um, they should really rebrand this. This is signing day. Uh, you know, the February date is now late signing day for those that haven't made up their minds. But there's still a couple of interesting situations out here. Um, Jay Hardy, the defensive lineman out of Chattanooga, you know, shocked everybody when he committed to Auburn over Tennessee. You know, I had to put a mm. put an article by Clint in the dumpster uh, after after he made that Worked decision. Very hard on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he doesn't sign today. I, I, you got to take that as a big win for Tennessee, right? Absolutely. Hardy is still on the table, and how do I put this? Um, <laughs> when you're going against Auburn, it's never easy. <laughs> 
because they why is that Gus, <laughs> Gus has everyone at that university behind him you know they all the boosters they are loving Gus he beats Alabama again this year this man's got the magic trick um so every time they're in a recruitment battle you kind of know what what's coming and if you ever see a kid that's like you know maybe some from South Florida and he's got Auburn, Georgia, Texas A&M, you kind of know what's going on there. <laughs> and with Jay Hardy especially, that was a, one of those recruitments where everyone thought he was coming to Tennessee. He all of a sudden chooses Auburn, despite having more visits to Tennessee and more of a, uh, a longer relationship with Tennessee. But the fact that he doesn't sign early, well, that's kind of the downside. When you have kids engaging in those type of recruiting battles, kids, you know, doing that, you you run the risk that they don't want to sign early, that they want to keep drawing it out, seeing what happens, wondering where they fit in a lot of teams' plans. Tennessee probably has four spots. Let's assume that let's assume that like Morvin Morvin Joseph comes. Okay, we're gonna say four spots, right? One of those spots is for Hardy if he wants to join, simply because he'd be right behind probably Tyler Barron in terms of what he can do on the defensive line because he's a lot like Barron in his size. He's a really disruptive guy. He can even play defensive tackle if you want him to. So um, it, it's it's going to be something to follow. And I do think that if nobody else, if Auburn doesn't sign him, it's Tennessee all the way. So the other big name that people are going to want to talk about is Darnell Washington. Um, Tennessee was in on Eric Gilbert, and then the 0-2 start happens, and you didn't hear anything else about that. But Darnell Washington has uh, you know, re- remained in touch with Tennessee. I think he took his official visit last, last weekend mm-hmm. um, and has said that he – is not signing early. He's going to wait until February. I think he's going to announce at the All-American game. Um, where where does Tennessee stand with Darnell Washington? Because this guy has a star-studded offer list. Before we get into that, I would just like to know Morvin Joseph just announced, and he is choosing Tennessee. So there, there we go. go. Okay, Another blue chip defensive end. Just to Tennessee. an outstanding day for Tennessee. Just an absolute. absolute home run. Yeah. Who would have ever thought this after those first two games? I mean, yeah, yeah. Coming to an end. Um, overall, very great signing day for Tennessee. Now, uh, I'll answer Darnell Washington first, then we can talk about Mormon Joseph. All right, sounds good. Um, Washington, all the way out of Las Vegas from Nevada, so... His top contenders are Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee. Okay, well, you kind of know what's going on there. Um, he's very hard to get a read on. And I'm not sure he is doing a lot of the back and forth with certain schools, but it might be the schools themselves choosing to hold off for a second, seeing what happens. Because Washington, he, I mean, there was a very public incident where he got in trouble at his school for more or less getting into it with a coach. Whether he was fighting, yelling at him, whatever you want to call it, he got into it, and there's kind of been those rumors just popping up ever since. And so I think a lot of schools are waiting and seeing, you know, what kid are we getting here? Are we getting somebody who's going to come in and be 
a detriment to this locker room, or are we getting a kid who just needs to get out of that situation and needs to get into an environment like ours to really tap into his potential? I honestly, I wouldn't put Tennessee at the top here. I wouldn't even really put him second. Um, I think that Tennessee is like a backup, backup option where if Alabama doesn't get him, Georgia doesn't get him, maybe Florida tries to get in here. I doubt it, but if either of those don't get him, then Tennessee is the place that he's going to go. And that's not a slight against Tennessee. That's just the reality. Alabama and Georgia have won a lot more games in a lot more recent times. Um, I mean, in terms of need, I think it's really hard to find a player like Washington at that position. You had a Reek Gilbert, but LSU grabbed him, so not really much you could do there either. Um, I wonder if they like what they saw from Dominic Wood Anderson and they're going to go with a Juco tight end. Yeah. Because to my knowledge, I don't think they have a, I mean, Jackson Lowe maybe? Jackson Lowe, Sean Brown, um, last year, and then the kid out of Farragut uh, the year before. Uh, for, forget his name. But the, no experience at all on, on the roster. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah I, I think that's a... I think that's a really good point. There was a time I, I felt really good about Eric Gilbert with the the Marietta connection with with Harrison Bailey, uh, but you can't fault the kid for for going to LSU with what they're doing nowadays and and for how Tennessee started the year. Uh, but Darnell Washington, Jay Hardy, um, those are going to be the two main names to watch. Um, real quick before we get into Morvin, uh Reggie Grimes not signing with Oklahoma. Is there anything there? He he's had a really strange process. I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> I really don't know with Grimes. I think he waited too long. I think he thought he was a better player than some staffs thought. Um, I'd actually still say he sticks with South Carolina just because they'll still bring him in. They still want him a lot. Um, but I think Tennessee's focus is certainly on Jay Hardy at this point. And if they were holding out for Grimes, I don't think they take someone like Perry. Yeah. Simply because that would start getting into numbers crunch. So I, I don't think there's anything there with Grimes. Right. Now you've got Morvin Joseph. You got Tyler Barron. Um, mm-hmm. Similar similar players there. So uh, again, Darnell Washington and Jay uh, Hardy is are the two names to watch there. Mm-hmm. We'll see if anything else comes uh, develops there. All right, uh, Morvin Joseph. We said at the top of the show that Tennessee might get another one while we were on the air, and it happened. Uh, another pass rusher, another front seven piece. You know, I said that that he would have a chance to play early. Uh, he, he might be uh, one of those guys, one of those candidates for the day one impact. Uh, what's your take on Morvin Joseph? Because you know he he kind of had both of your teams in in the mix there. Joseph, from a player standpoint, I keep saying that a lot, from a standpoint, Joseph as a player, he <laughs> provides a lot of pass rush. If you want pass rush, let me tell you, there's no better prospect to look at than Morvin Joseph because he played uh, down here over, well, not down here, I'm actually not even in Florida anymore, but he played kind of close-ish to home, and from production, he he killed it i mean look at his stats he had absolutely absurd numbers in sacks tackles for loss he just has a very good first step i mean he if you look at the tape he just shoots off the line it catches a lot of people off guard and it that's something that will translate no matter what even if he never develops that much as a defensive end 
he's going to have those pass rushing skills. So if we wanted to go early impact and we need a pass rusher, there's your dark horse pick right there. I'm actually wondering, though, which role he plays in a Tennessee defense because I'm almost wondering if they're going to put him at outside linebacker. Simply because if you look at what he looks like, he's kind of filled out. He doesn't Mm -hmm. have that big of a frame to use. So he would probably be a weak side end if they decide to bulk him up there. But I'm actually not going to rule out that he plays outside linebacker. But I think this is a great job by Pruitt and his team just because when you look at this recruitment, you know, committed to Florida, decommits, commits to Florida State, decommits. Tennessee has stayed on him the whole time. And even now, FSU and UF both renewed their push because they wanted him to hold off signing because they simply wanted to get another look at him just because, well, again, Florida missed out on Tim Smith. They might miss out on Donnell Harris. And Florida State now, they need defensive ends in the worst way possible. Tennessee was simply too much, and Pruitt and his staff locked it down. And so now Tennessee has a very sought-after player. And if you want to look at the true value of a player in a recruiting class, look at the schools you beat out for them. And that's something that Pruitt has done excellent ever since he arrived. Yeah, wherever he plays, you know, that was a big need for Tennessee, in my opinion. Uh, Just anybody that can get after the passer. You know, they, they just didn't have a lot of guys. They still don't have a ton of guys on the roster. Uh, that might be the weakest point, kind of that edge role. I, I know Pruitt has a unique way of looking at that with how he uses his linebackers both inside and out. Uh, but Joseph, to me, just screams one of those 34 outside linebacker prospects uh, that, that the NFL covets so much. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how he can uh, can, can kind of mold himself into a player from day one because I think he's going to get the opportunities. Uh, the, the, just that outside edge is kind of a shallow position on this roster. One of the one of the few places um, that Jeremy Pruitt hasn't really recruited lights out. Uh, but overall, just an outstanding day for Tennessee. Um, just helping the trenches, four star players everywhere. I think they got everybody. Uh, that that they wanted on this day, honestly, you, you know, you hear you hear coaches say that a lot, but um, everything went according to plan uh, for mm-hmm. Tennessee. You know, every pre-written piece that we had in the editor got published today. So uh, that that's some that's some really good news uh, coming from a Tennessee fan. Uh, so uh, the future's bright. Uh, I, I think Tennessee's got the right guy uh, finally in, in charge up there. I think you're kind of seeing him right the wrongs of Butch Jones. I think it's taken three years, three full recruiting classes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Tennessee yes. is is starting to look the look again. Um, so, well, with that being said, we'll uh, we'll sign off. We'll uh, we'll hop back on here and preview the bowl game. Tennessee gets Indiana uh, in the Gator Bowl on January second. Should be an interesting game. Indiana's got a pretty good offense. Uh, so that should be strength on strength with Tennessee's defense, which has been surging lately. Uh, Tennessee basketball starting up, so we'll get on that too. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. If you like what you hear, be sure and subscribe to us. You can find the newest episodes on RockyTopTalk.com along with all of our written content. Sign up for an account, hop in the comments, and, and talk this out with us. It's, it's an exciting day. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Catch you all around.